0: Hello there, friends, and welcome to More Movies Podcast number 58. He's out of bank at 58th and Madison. Hello there, and welcome to the podcast where we like to talk about all things movies, cinema, film-related films. We've been watching films that we watched years ago we like to discuss films that are going to come out soon. All that kind of stuff. My name's Greg Fisher. I'm sat here next to my main man, David Roberts. How are you doing, our dave
1: I am fabulous, sir. We are now in the springtime. It is a wonderful of year the weather is out and wonderful and we're ready for a summer of blockbusters are we not
0: it's pissing down here mate but uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm all for it i'm sure
0: the sun will be back really soon yeah summer of blockbusters ahead uh lots of films to be talking about over the next couple of months but this week uh we've both decided we're going to be talking about some classics yes that's right it's the great indiana jones collection So, I mean, Indiana Jones, you know, one thing I found, my friend, there's not many people out there that voice any dislike or dissent towards the Indiana Jones films. Of course, some of from more than others, but on the whole, you know, like you get people that are like, I'm not a fan of Star Wars. No, yeah. Well, there's not that many that don't, don't like Indiana Jones of that set. You know, it tends to be universally popular. Maybe I'm wrong. You, do you hate Indiana Jones? If so, write in and let us know, and we'll rip it up and put it in the fire. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of people like these movies. Uh, they're very popular. We, of course, have got a fifth installment due out in end of June. It is now sort of, well, what? We're the 7th of May today. 7th of May, 2023. So a uh, little little bit of time yet. So we're in the build up to it. So we thought, didn't we? We talk about the four that have preceded it. Maybe even mention the uh, long-running Young Indiana Jones series that was a uh, indeed
1: that was going in the nineties. It is. It is a crazy um, thing. How yeah, how you say universally popular they are. And I know a few people who haven't seen it, which is uh, bizarre. <laughs> kill them. Let me kill them now. Um, I know, but yeah, it, they are films that I think there's something about them that's so universally accessible. Yeah, and simple. And uh, because of the kind of light-hearted nature of them um, and the themes that we can all kind of uh, understand very easily and simply. But, yeah, they just seem to work. They're kind of the perfect Easter Sunday, Christmas afternoon, that type of thing where the, those kind of films that you can put on, everyone can watch. And they're going to be tremendous fun, um, aren't they? So, yeah, the the... Very special films, I think, in that way,
0: yeah. Well, certainly the original three. Um, so before we go getting too far ahead of ourselves, let's start <laughs> at the beginning with Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, Raiders of the Lost Ark 1981, starring Harrison Ford, Karen Allen, and a host of other people that are now you know part of our film Lexicon. Um, Steven Spielberg, of course, directing it. Um, I believe. The idea came about from George Lucas because they were both on holiday together, having done Star Wars and Close Encounters and all that stuff. And they went on holiday together and Spielberg said something like, I've always wanted to do a Bond film. And George Lucas was like, well, I've got that beat. I've got this idea. Indiana Smith. He's yes. this archaeologist, blah, blah, blah. And Spielberg said, change the name to Jones and we got a deal.
1: And the Smith rest and of Jones. History.
0: Smith and Jones, exactly. Jones is a better Welsh name. See, Indiana Jones is a Welshman. <laughs> He's a good old Welshman. That's the thing that he doesn't get credits for being Welsh. Now
1: that would be a great remake when it that the Welsh Indiana. Jones. Or just go
0: for <laughs> a prequel, real like far back where his ancestor, <laughs> before they went over there, you know, was a Welshman from man. the valleys.
1: It's from um, the valleys, and
0: he found the uh, tomb of King Arthur, which is up here in the Camlo Hills, as everybody knows.
1: Yeah, it, it's exactly right. Uh, Lucas actually wrote the Indiana Smith before he. Uh, Made Star Wars. He, he'd had it a long time before that, but um, it, he ended up obviously doing Star Wars first. But it was always sitting there, kind of waiting for its moment, I guess. Yeah. And uh, much like you know, it, in uh, Star Wars was his attempt to recreate and was very heavily influenced by Buck Rogers and all those sci-fi serials of the thirties and forties. Uh, uh, this was um, the same thing. It was, but it was influenced by those adventure. Serials mm. of the 30s. And Zorro and stuff like that. Exactly. Um, and and comic books at the same time like uh, Doc Savage and stuff. Very influential. Doc, by... Savage. That Doc so cool.
0: Savage? That is so cool. Doc Savage. That is so cool that you brought that in. Good old Doc Savage. Now that's the going back to the days underneath your covers when you're eight years old with a torch reading a comics
1: annual action annual with Doc Savage oh, stripping it. Doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't. And uh, no. It's nice for it's one of the things that works really nicely that they were so influenced by um, these things from their childhood, yeah, uh, and they got the opportunity to kind of put them on such a bigger stage. And going back to what we said world.
0: about them um, being universal, I think yeah. that's why. I mean, they definitely appeal to boys' fans of comics. They are boys' movies. I hate to say that in a way, but the cool thing is, though. I mean, in a lot of ways, like in this first film, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Karen Allen plays Marion Ravenwood. Uh, and she's she kind of tough in it she can drink yeah. them under the table she can throw a punch you know she's not completely helpless she's there's a bit more princess Leia going in there so even though they're kind of boys movies in that way the the, the women are represented they're kicking some ass they're badass yeah. too certainly in this film i thought she was great in it It's one of the most favorite things for uh, about it for me karen allen's character that whole setup at yeah. the start where the uh doing the drinks contest and they're having the shots and that hilarious shot of that guy where he's just like he slowly keels over (laughs) that's spielberg at his best uh lover in it but yeah influenced by the um serials also influenced by other films if you look at like pictures of like gary cooper and stuff over the days the fedoras there and the bandolier and everything it's like it's very much that look was already established wasn't it
1: yeah it, going back to like yeah the kind of late 40s and the 50s there was lots of films that of course they were influenced by those serials and comics as well and um yeah f- uh films with like gary cooper there's a great film secret of the incas yeah um which is very much <laughs> basically indiana jones uh, as a as a film which uh you know, as we've Charlene seen... Charlton Heston, look at him Charlene there. Charlton Heston. That hat's got quite a wide brim, hasn't it? It's very wide brim. And that, but you, and we've that, seen and that this. scarf,
0: that's kind of...
1: Special, isn't it? It's very um, special. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we've seen this with Star Wars, how how, how so many yeah. films from that period influenced Star Wars and those of, of references and shot-for-shot uh, shot stuff, where you go, oh, that's that. And uh, Indiana Jones is exactly the same. Um, yeah. Less talked about, I guess. Because Star Wars is so widely covered in those kind of things, but yeah. um, India was the same for us. Indie's
0: more prejudice. grounded, it's, it, it happens in our world, it's historical, yes, piece. it's based in the past, so there's lots for us all to grab onto there. You know, like uh, in this film, you got the Nazis are the bad guys because it's like 1936, I think it's or somewhere there, but um, it's based towards just before the start of World War Two. The Nazis are looking for this ancient artifact, um, the Ark of the Covenant, some. Ancient Hebrew, sort of like I don't know. It's like a little uh, tomb, isn't it? Like a little coffin It's full of uh, yeah, full of ghosts. No, it's full of sand. But um, the Nazis are looking for it because Hitler apparently had this uh, interest in the occult. So they've played down that strain, whether he did yeah. or not, fuck knows. But they certainly sell it in this.
1: It's uh, always been one of them fascinating story beats, isn't it? Hitler obsessed with the occult. It always works yeah. in terms of the Nazis love all this. Strange yeah. old uh, stuff. It just a great um, story beat to always hit. Yeah.
0: Well, for me, it's the Nazis are the bad guys. That's the best bad guys to have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, on it, you see loads of them get burned up, killed, shot in the worst way, run over by tanks. And <coughs> if, you, if you really hate Nazis like I do, this is these are the perfect films to watch. And, yeah. and that kind of, he developed that with the character as well. It's obviously Spielberg doing it. You know, he hates Nazis too for good reason and he's always he made Indiana Jones the type of person he even says Nazis I hate these guys you want to see some Nazi killing this is the one you've also got Ronald Lacey playing uh, Tote the Gestapo guy the SS guy oh yeah and yeah. he's like this consummate British actor really really cool Um he's played loads of parts very good at playing a villain uh, he was in Porridge you know what I mean stuff like that he had the Really, but you know, his, his career is almost over, and he's I think he's stopped trying to get roles a lot, I and mean, he's gone into teaching film uh, or acting, sorry, and stuff like that. He's kind of retired, semi retired, and he gets cast in this. and That's you know, it's the role of a lifetime, isn't it? It is, and yeah. he is the personification. When I was a kid and I watched this, and this guy, he was terrifying, he was despicable, he was Weasley. He looked like he couldn't fight himself. He always made no. other people do it. You know, he look like you could, you know, you have health issues and everything, and he's always coughing in his head. He's really horrible. But that's, like, the perfect, for me, the perfect sort of caricature of these evil, like, um, German, Nazis. German Nazis. And he, he just plays it so well.
1: Yeah, he it's, plays it to a T. And, um it's kind of they're the kind of actors you need to pull in for for yeah. roles like this, aren't they? You know, uh, the classic British actors and stuff—they always hit the nail on the on the head. And yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember as a kid watching the wonderful stop motion melting. Uh, that frightened me as a kid. I was like, well, even it's before that, strong when
0: you see, when he's going into the first catacomb, you know, where you, the, the very first set piece with the golden idol, there's some mm. skeletons and dead bodies in there on there. That are really yeah, yeah. gruesome. So, I mean, the first time I ever watched it, it was probably when they put it on telly. So we're talking like mid eighties, probably around 1984, something like that. And I'd be about six then, something like that. And um, the trailer for it coming on ITV or something. Like that. You know, my dad's going, oh, look at this, have a look at this. Just like, oh, my God. It's like my whole world changed. So Star Wars before that and Superman probably made the biggest impressions on me before that as a, as a kid. i seen this and it was just love at first sight. I just thought, well, yeah, I was all about that. You know, after seeing it, you got some hat that's somehow like a cowboy hat, something that roughly resembled the Indiana Jones hat, got a bit of old rope or old twine. <laughs> and that was, you know, got a stick for the... Oh, It it was you just want to be Indiana Jones after that. Got one of your mum's old handbags because he always (laughs) had that. He always had that handbag, didn't he? That he put his stuff in. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) lipstick. But But, um, it was just the ultimate thing as a kid. It was just like, oh my god! It is the ultimate ultimate thing, hero. Yeah.
1: Well, I always think like what an opening this film has. Not only um, obviously the fantastic set piece that. Everyone knows now that it's the, iconic, isn't it? Getting the idol, the ball roll, and it's been satirized so much. But even just before that, the very opening part is going through uh, the woods with his uh, the guys who were leading the woods, to, the deep jungle, deep so jungle, the uh, leading into this uh, <laughs> this cave. It's an amazing opening sequence for the character because you don't see in face for the first couple of minutes. Um, as we see the credits and he's going through. But the the camera keeps really close and and starts focusing on the different areas of Indy. There's his whip, there's his hat, and all these in, in almost in silhouette. Um, and it's these shots that are telling you everything about the character really quickly without saying it until mm. we get the big reveal. And uh, then obviously the guy tries to do him in, and he gets yeah. him. And it's like what a, what a nice, brilliant opening to introduce a character. Yeah. And then we get a great set piece where it shows you what he can do. So
0: there he is. The first thing we see about him, he's like cool as fuck, is like the guy's sneaking up behind him with a piece and he whips it out of his hand and then just lets the guy run off. Like, you know, (laughs) it's like, this guy's badass. But when we start to get into it as well, the humour starts to come out. um, You know, the spiders whipping him off his back like he's not bothered about spiders at all. And that is a setup for later on he's going to be terrified of snakes. Yeah. Because you think he's not scared of anything. He's, he's just knocking tarantula spiders. The Alfred Molina's there, going, <laughs> that, you know? and that's how we'd all be, isn't it? That's how we'd yeah. be like, oh my god, Ugh, spider crawling on your face across your face is just terrifying. But Indy's just knocks them off. Yeah, come on, let's go. There's this humour uh, with the character, so they're establishing that, um, which is which is a really powerful part of it. And I think uh, Harrison Ford was very good at playing up to that as well. That he's yeah. like. He can be this like ultimate iconic style hero, but he's also fallible. Yeah, you know, like when he jumps across the um bottomless pit in that place and he goes to slip and he thinks he's got it, and he grabs a vine, and the vine goes, and his there's look on his face as if he goes, Ooh, you know, he's suddenly one well, when he's smiling like I made it, and then he's like, Ooh. And it's I thought was a, it was it really grounded the character and made him feel very quite quite real like
1: human I mean, absolutely and i think that's a lot to do with harrison himself obviously yeah. amazing actor we love him to pieces he's does so many great things over the years um and 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 kind of knows how to choose a role but i i think uh, we've said before how like protective of the role he seems yeah. um, because of how much he's invested himself into this character which is probably i think probably his favorite role he's ever done in terms oh, of he definitely. protects he hate, it and he hates looks, Han Solo. Yeah. <laughs>
0: what well, whatever reason. He just hates Han Solo but he loves Indiana Jones.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. and and he he's he does such a uh, an amazing um control of of that character of what he what he is uh, what he means. He he gets it, you know. Yeah, I'd, a...
0: I'd say definitely he's got a lot to do with that, but also probably Spielberg because Spielberg was always great at humanizing yeah. the extraordinary. That's the great appeal of his early films, where you got ET and Close Encounters. They were real people; these extraordinary things were happening to. So he is very good at that, and and Harrison Ford just played it so well. Uh, but this is the thing: the guy's he's, he's a multi-dimensional character. He's a tough guy, like almost generic, iconic. James Bond-style tough guy, like nothing can get past him. Uh, he's also fallible, and yeah. he, he makes these mistakes we can relate to, you know, and they're funny, like when he's running to that plane, to start the plane start the plane <laughs> he's like panicking and it's like builds that suspense. but he's also a college professor. so he's also yeah. absolutely you know switched on clever, mother figure as well. Um, yeah. and that's where we kind of go to after that first set piece and he, he gets away. He loses the icon to uh, Belloc, played by again another great British actor, Paul Freeman. Paul Brilliant. Freeman uh, playing uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um but he gets away with his life. And there's a snake in the plane. Oh my god! I hate snakes, Jock. I hate them. And it's like, you know, not terrified by spiders, but terrified of snakes. And that Sex in amazing. itself is going to set up for later on. Uh, a couple of movies down the line, and they explain why. It's brilliant, but we'll get to that. You know, we've got that amazing bit of the start uh, in the jungle and the and the idol. Then we have a little bit of, um, you know, exposition with the arc and the, this is the mission. But then we're straight back into another thrilling set piece with the fight in the uh, bar in the Himalayas. It just doesn't stop this film. It just gives you one it after the other.
1: It is like, yeah, set piece after set piece, but enough time in between them. To tell the story and bring something more to it to then just into the next thing, the pacing is brilliant yeah. um you don't you you're never sitting bored uh during the film that's for sure um, shot as well really nicely
0: shot um I think it was Douglas Slocum, one of the great old British cinematographers, you know the kind of guy that I think Spielberg said about he could just look at the sun and know what. Um, t-stop for it to be out and what lens to use and everything. He's just He was just an old master. And I think that choice to use a great cinematographer like that and give it a very classic uh, look where everything is lit perfectly and everything looks so dramatic, the use of shadows, the lighting in it's perfect, the costumes, and, of course, the John Williams score, these all help to elevate it from just yeah. a, a dumb action movie like a lot of the ones that kind of came out afterwards, influenced by it, this was the big difference between this and then. it was there was the level of, um, you know,
1: professionalism that went into it. Absolutely, and I think with the the look, they obviously took, say, a classical approach and very much influenced by the um, kind of classical Hollywood of the fifties and often yeah. went, yeah, we're going to make this look. Real and perfection, you know. And, perfection is the word, yeah. Uh, and the, the the like when they're in the desert and the the golden landscapes and stuff in there. Some of the shots, uh, the people say great. the best shots. And cinema, that shot where they're digging
0: the well of souls, yeah, and the sun's going down and the silhouette of them all digging. It's amazing. with it? the hat on, and it is. It's that's Douglas Slocum. That's like a brilliant, brilliant cinematography. The sound design as well. Every time a gun gets fired, it's like, yeah, you know, there's this incredible the punches sound like larger than life is always this huge bang bang you know everything about it is bombastic the scores bombastic the 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 sets the set pieces the stunt work is incredible some of the best stuntmen in the world that's where it's like James Bond in that you know everything is of such a high quality the locations everything we've just mentioned is of such a high standard and the perfect casting that it's hard to go wrong with Raiders of the Lost Ark
1: yeah, it, it it definitely fits into that narrative of Spielberg wanting to make like a Bond film because, yeah, it, it's, yeah, you know, great stunt work on, in these exotic locations with great uh, sets and everything. As you say, is so well, that's it. You started
0: in the jungle, then you're back over to um, America for the college, typical yeah. sort of 1930s college. Then you've got um, the Himalayas where he goes. Yeah to find her. Then they've, you know, they've got that great thing with the plane going on the map.
1: Which oh yes. People,
0: that, that's probably taken from earlier stuff that he sort of redone and brought to, you know, cause that's iconic and synonymous with the films. I think that sort of red line going across the map. It's like, it's not an Indiana Jones film without that.
1: No. And, it, and, it, and how many people have used that since? It's such a great exactly. idea. You know? And
0: it's a homage to Indiana Jones then, but then they go to Egypt and you've got all that great stuff happening there. Um, You know, and you've got the fight with Pat Roach as well near that um, Nazi plane.
1: Oh yes, yeah, yeah.
0: That's just and before all that, you've got running through the markets of Cairo and stuff with the um, the famous sword swiveling scene, where they were all all the crew was ill with food poisoning and no one was really up for filming. And Harrison Ford thought of the, I'll I'll shoot him instead and save us all the bloody. Ball like, which is just genius. And again, for me, that always tied into Han Solo. You know, shooting Greedo under the table. Yeah, exactly. That Shady sort of. I'll just shoot you. <laughs> it's so American, isn't it? It's like I'll just kill you with a gun. But nah.
1: um, but it says but so it's much so, about the character, it's doesn't so it? Cool.
0: And, it's such yeah. a cool moment. You know, the guy's there. He looks. He's huge. He's like six foot four. He's got a massive shimitar sword or something. He's swinging it about like it's a you know baton, and he's going to take your head off with it. Just kills him with a thirty eight. <laughs> it's like everybody laughed at that. It was iconic, I think, as uh, iconic cinema moment.
1: But it's so um that when you talk about it being grounded in reality, it's so logical as well in terms yeah. of of course yeah. he's gonna have a gun, so why not just you know why not just if- shoot <laughs> him Yeah. You kinda get a course, you know, that's what you'd do in that situation. So yeah, yeah it it's uh it's perfect in that way. And um Cause you got the, cha- the chase
0: through the streets. Then she's in the basket. Which basket <laughs> is it? And he thinks she's ended up on this truck that blows up. And it's a real sort of whoa moment. Marion's dead. He goes to get drunk. Then he with the monkey. And you're so invested in it by then. It's like yeah, this you know, even though it's just fantasy, it's you know, silly stuff. Really, he does such, Spielberg does such a good job of you get this um, rich um, character development that you're just so into it by then.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, it's manages to capture the imaginations as as you're watching it. It's um... and to finish up the story. You know, we get to the point
0: where the, there's the big showdown. They've been on the ship, and um, there's the Nazi sub in there as well. You get the U boat in there, and then they get take it to that place, and they're going to do the ceremony. And that's the whole, you know, industrial light and magic bit, really, isn't it? With all the ghosts coming out of it. Don't look. Don't look, Marion. Don't look. And then, the, like you said earlier, the face melting. That was terrifying. But such it was. Good, it's good that they didn't hold back on all that stuff. And you know, it is. is—is—is a little one for you as well. Back in the day, that used to be a 15. Mm. And nowadays, it's been reclassified, I think, as or it doesn't say on there, but it's a PG now.
1: Well, then and that's another shown.
0: thing they did as well. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Last Ark. No, no,
1: no, 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 no. It's just Raiders. Well, that was that was the same with Star Wars, wasn't it? You know, it was Star Wars, and then it became Episode Four: of New Hope afterwards. But uh, the same with that, they go back and retcon on it. But um, there's more explanation on the rating for the next in the, with the next film. But um, yeah, I mean, it is the stunning ending um, that they don't hold back on, and the the effects for the time, and they still hold up today. Of all yeah, the yeah, they Puppetry and the mountain. It's it's amazing. It's uh, It's the stuff that always works, doesn't it? The the great puppets and stuff they created and stop motion animation and um and stuff. Practical
0: effects. But it's a good mix, isn't it? Because you've got all those ghosts swirling around and stuff. And that almost terrified me more. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, the thought of these like ghosts swirling about and stuff. It's the it's exactly what you kind of picture and then they turn nasty, don't they? And they get yeah nasty faces. And the same sort of technology they use just a year or two later with um, Ghostbusters, it was the same crew, ILM crew, yeah. you know, doing these amazing special effects. So a great mix of practical and, um, I suppose, digital special effects as they were starting to become then, or uh, what do they call them? Special effects they used to call special. them in the eighties. Special
1: effects. Oh, you know this this film is kind of the, you know, if we'd, ha- we'd had Star Wars and Jaws before this, but this is the kind of the launch of the. The 80s blockbusters uh, yeah. decade, which really became the, the decade of blockbusters. Yeah. And uh, the ILM was completely tied into that. They did all the films, didn't they? They were involved yeah. in everything because they yeah. were the guys.
0: Oh, yeah. And they will have just grown and grown and got bigger and bigger and taught loads of people how to do it who are still working today. But um, fantastic film. One of my all time greatest films of all time. Absolutely. <laughs> if that's a thing, the all time yeah. greatest films of all um, but yeah, I've always well, I used to say, didn't I, when we were in uni making our student films? Unless we can make a film as good as Raiders of the Lost Ark, we just think we ain't, we ain't got a film.
1: It's it's a good sort of
0: level to sort of for all of these reasons, you know, because it's 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 difficult to make a film that good that ticks so many boxes, and it's kind of accessible to a lot of people. It's very open, so yeah, Raiders, what a film! So that brings us on to the next installment, which is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. This was <laughs> a couple of years later, 1984, Harrison Ford of course returned into the role, capitalizing on the success they'd had with Raiders of the Lost Ark, because they made a lot of money at the box office, a lot of money. So of course they're going to do more of them. So this one takes the action over to India. Eventually we start in Hong Kong or somewhere like that, and Lao yeah, Shea. Yeah. Great, great opening. Um, really and, great But most of it takes takes the action over to India, and it kind of stays there, doesn't it? We don't go to as many places in this one. Um, overall, this one is probably, of the original three, it's the one that's not liked as much. Um, those that love it, they really love it, of course. We're probably in that category. I, I love it. But um, I've found, talking to people over the years, Temple of Doom is the one that's it's not everybody's favorite. Um, partly because the the next installment is, again, so strong. We'll go into that when we talk about it. But, um, you know, you've got Spielberg returning as director, John Williams back doing the score, George Lucas is involved, executive producer, and writing the story and whatnot. Um, I think, check me if I'm wrong, but this takes place a couple of years before Raiders Lost Ark in 1935. So, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is actually a prequel.
1: It is a prequel, yeah. It's it's, it's definitely a prequel. Uh, they uh, one of the reasons is they wanted to not do Nazis again, um, which is probably a bad decision. Yeah, because they came yeah. back and they did Nazis again. <laughs> exactly. So that was one of the one of the reasons, and they wanted to, to ex- explore the past a bit. So yeah, they went with a prequel. Um, there was a lot of initial criticism of the film when it first came out, um, saying it didn't meet up, and there's criticisms about what the, the kind of themes of the film as well. Mm. Um, uh, it's the, the appreciation has grown over the years, yeah. but it still is certainly one of the uh, kind of the weakest of the bunch. But that's not to say it's a bad film at all. Uh, to be honest, it's uh, the
0: one I probably watched the most as a kid because um, by the time that came on TV, I would have recorded it, videotaped it off telly, yeah. um, And yeah. I probably watched that the most for some reason. Maybe didn't have Raiders for some reason on tape for a while. Got it later on. Yeah, and and ended up watching the temple do more. To go to the st- from the start, that whole bit of Lao Che at the start, uh, Lau Che's um, nightclub, is brilliant. You know, you have yeah. got the opening with a musical number, Cape Capshaw um, singing in Chinese, one of the Chinese languages, uh, singing Anything Goes, and it's really well worked out, almost Busby Barkley style number with all the dancers and everything, and the cinematography to go with it. Kind of a strange opening. As a kid, I used to think, oh, it's this bloody singing and dancing. You know, oh, but, you know, you obviously learn to love it.
1: It's very 50s Hollywood, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Kind of. And she was
0: great as that, I thought. You know, just a lot of people criticise her for the film because her character's quite annoying. But I seen just the other day, somebody posted something saying she, she's supposed to be annoying. So mm. she actually did it well. And that's yeah. so so true. Uh but you know, she's very, very good at that singing uh and dancing number and and selling herself as the kind of shallow it girl that's almost a gangster's mole. She's Lao mole, isn't she? And uh she gets caught up with Indy. Uh but you know, again, great tension within five minutes he's been poisoned. The poison, you just drank Doctor Jones. What's this for? Great, great, great bad guys. Yeah. The, w- the way that they get those guys laugh, and Spielberg does this a lot. I found as well, he was really good, uh, reminding us that these evil characters, these sort of pantomime bad guys, are have got a great laugh, and they laugh at the most sick stuff.
1: The poison you just
0: drank. <laughs> <of the drink. laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's funny, but it's like they're actually laughing because they've just poisoned you. How sick is that? They're laughing about it. These guys and are it, serious, like.
1: It gives them. It gives the villains, uh, and yeah, Spielberg is great at this. is giving the villains motifs and um, yeah, and um, and calls that, that make you go, okay, that's the bad guy. You get it, really yeah. sim- simple things. Um, Makes you hate them all the more. Yeah, it turns them into characters that you you know you, mm. you want to hate. Uh, so when he gets the hate. kebab skew and he throws it
0: into the guy's chest, he's oh, just like, yeah, <laughs> get some of that. Laugh at that. <laughs> But uh, great set piece there, uh, lots of action. I think one guy gets a, a symbol in the face. He takes a symbol off a drum kit in front of him, like a Frisbee, and it hits him right in the face. The action in these films is always top-notch, isn't it?
1: He it uh, is. obviously
0: chops the gong down. He's running behind the gong, and it's getting Tommy gun. That's just like super cool stuff. And then they manage to escape just about in the nick of time, um, gets the antidote, and then we meet Shorty. His getaway driver is shorty. He's got boxes strapped to his trainers or his sneakers, uh, so he can <laughs> drive the car. Uh, Kihi Kwan in in the role of a lifetime. I know he's just an Oscar for everything, everyone, every, everything, everywhere, all at once. But you know, short he's always going to be shorty to me. You know,
1: what an amazing experience for him, and he does. He really grasps the opportunity and, and enjoys it, doesn't he? And mm. um, he's so much fun in this film. Um, and really gives it everything. And As a child child actor, he had
0: bags of charisma, loads of yeah. character. I think actually, um, I remember watching one of these um, documentaries, making off documentaries, and it, Spielberg was saying that his brother, his younger brother, was actually being uh, cast, uh, trying out for the casting for the role. And um, Kiki Kwan was with him, and he was so funny telling his brother, don't do this, do that, instead. And... Correcting him like a big brother would. They were so good at that. They just sort of turned their focus to him. And they said, "Actually, we're gonna
1: we're gonna have you." Yeah.
0: And what then, a great choice. He was, though. He was. He's brilliant. All that stuff when they're playing cards. You cheat, Doctor Jones. <laughs>
1: it's
0: great stuff. Um, I I've seen some cynical people saying they didn't. They thought he was annoying as well, and this is another reason people don't like it as much because Kate Capshaw and Shorty are annoying, but. They're great in it. I think there's stronger elements of a film and yeah. it's more the writing is a little bit weaker with this one because after they leave Hong Kong on the plane, you know, he shuts the door and you see it's Lao Tse's plane. You think, oh, damn. You know, he's, here we he's in go. trouble here. And they ju- the pilots jump out and leave them. So actually where they end up um, in in India is by chance, so yeah. this is not like the first film where he's actually been assigned the mission by spooks in the government or anything. This is like, he just happened to land here. They jump out of the plane on that um, inflatable raft and end up sliding down the mountain into the river. <laughs> yeah. And they literally come straight to the feet of this holy man who's from the village. And he's like, you have been sent to us from God. So there's that whole um, element of you know uh, mysticism going on yeah. there. Um, and then we get to the village. They're all poor, and there's no children. The children have been um, taken away, and we later find out the children have been forced into slavery down this mine. So you know, <laughs> and that's why they've got Shorty in there as well. Because yes, know, again, it's that whole thing with these movies are for kids, not for you, thirty-six years old, sitting there complaining. It's not as good this as the first is one. For twelve-year-olds, yeah, it is. It's for it's for little boys really,
1: but yeah, this is the point in the film. So we have, I think you have the great opening and we get to this point and then, yes, now we are mystic man. We're in, we're in India. We're in this strange, uh, area. And this is where the film turns and this is probably where it gets the most, uh, criticism and, um, people probably don't jowl with it as much because it is very different. I think at this point, and, uh, this is where we get into the darker elements. As you say, child, um, child slavery is a key theme, black magic, uh, Human sacrifice and stuff. Yeah, and I think these are the elements because the film, this film's much darker than the other films.
0: Yeah, uh, and Spielberg wanted reasons. it to be. Yeah, he actually he, he says I think on one of them that he he wanted it to be a lot darker, but years later he kind of regretted that decision. But to be honest, I I it stands for me. Well, it, it, it works
1: because like like Empire is the darker middle film. Like, I and think that works in trilogies where the middle film gets a bit deeper and darker. Um, It's slightly weird here because it's a prequel, but I I think it works thematically. But these very reasons are why some of the criticisms that it received at the time. And actually, we were talking about ratings earlier. Uh, This film is exactly why PG-13 was created in in the United States. It's Uh, different across here. We had 12A much later with um, Spider-Man in 2002. But um, PG-13... Uh, was created in America just a, a couple of months after this film uh, because of this film and Gremlins as well, which is obviously very violent in places with mm. uh, microwaving gremlins and stuff. And uh, <laughs> it's, it was Spielberg as one of the ones who petitioned the MPAA to create a 12A certificate yeah. Yeah. between PG and, and 15. Um, obviously, knowing, oh, well, yeah, it's a bit more violent, but it's still kid friendly. Um, yeah. Uh, so. It's an interesting kind of uh, watershed moment with this film as well in terms of, okay, it's still got those darker elements. It's for older children. children. Yeah.
0: Um, it's quite a scary character, that guy as well, the high priest guy, you know, who's ripping mm. people's hearts out of their chests and stuff before he puts them in a volcano in a in a cage. <laughs> I <laughs> think that's great, though. It is. But I, again, like Raiders Lost Ark, I will have seen this when it came to TV. Yeah. Um, it's far too young to see that in the cinema. Um, but I loved it. I thought it was great. I mean, yeah, it's got its problems. And I find the problems with it, though, are just not as quite as good a writing, not quite as good a effects. They're kind of production problems for me that I, I thought were not quite up to the standard. But it didn't stop me enjoying it because they are based on these old serials, um, yeah. as we mentioned earlier. And some of them would be better than others. Some of them would yeah. be a little bit cheaper. They'd recycle shots and stuff like this. And-
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I, to me, it's like it's just the weakest of the of the three. Mm. That's all it is to me. It's like it's still enjoyable. I always wonder
0: what happened to Shorty afterwards, and I was hoping they were going to bring him into this new film that's coming soon. But uh, it doesn't look like he is in it, unfortunately. But um, he, he went,
1: he moved to America. And I know that America. whole thing.
0: He was going to say, "Indy's going to take me to America." He says that in it somewhere. But
1: well, he, he went, went to America not- and became data, didn't he? Hey!
0: There's a few callbacks where those two guys with the swords jump out on him and do their and he goes for his gun and it's not there. Not there. So he has to fight them. And that's yeah. kind of cool. That's like them saying, let's do a callback to that, but this time he has to actually do what we were gonna do, do, which was uh sword fight versus the whip, I think was the is the idea behind that fight. So we get to see it. Uh that that brilliant ending on the bridge. I think that's a brilliant ending. Mm. Uh, you know and the whole thing he talks to uh, Shorty in Mandarin or whatever it is and he says hold on lady we're going for a ride <laughs> <laughs>
1: and,
0: and that, that actual practical effects of all those dummies falling off I seen one thing that said that the dummies were actually a- uh, animatronic mannequins so they actually had some movement in them when they fell that gave them, made them look more real so cool, uh, that is pretty cool fell to a sort of dicey death with the crocodiles Um but i love it i mean the mind train how can we not mention the mind train oh, chase yes, as well oh yes, of course that's a great set piece okay.
1: and, and and the thing is with these things like the the, the mind train chase and, and um some of the other set pieces we have talked about it's how many of these have been redone now across cinema yeah. and games and tv like they're so memorable and well done um uh, that it's like oh we we're, we're going to like that one from Indy.
0: Well, even even at the time, you had films like um, King Solomon's Minds, you know, the Alan main thing. Mm. Uh, Sharon Stone in that, I think. And, uh, yeah, that, even that was directly influenced by Indiana Jones. The only reason that film got greenlit was because of the success of Indiana Jones. So even back in the day, it was influencing everything that was around it. Like, you know, you had loads of space movies after Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> It was the same with this. You had, like I say, "Romance in the Stone" was another one with Michael Douglas's Yes, yeah, similar. You know, similar enough that it was like guy with a fedora in the jungle with a, you know, with his girlfriend trying to find some sort of rare artifact, and it's all Indiana Jones influenced. So, you know, that was it though. Nineteen eighty-four, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, um, still did quite well at the box office because people wanted to see it, as you say. People weren't quite as crazy about it as they were the first one. Whatever. We still love it. But it was a good five years later, 1989, before we get on to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, yeah. Now, this is the first Indiana Jones film I actually watched in the cinema. We were on holiday at the time, and we were in North Wales on holiday, and it was a rainy day. And we'd gone out somewhere to do something for the day, but the rain was so bad. My parents decided, oh, let's the cinemas show and stuff in the daytime. Let's go to the local cinema. What was on Indiana Jones. And uh, yes, we'll watch that. I was like, yes. (laughs) X marks the spot. And dad loved it as well. My dad loved Indiana Jones. So, and this is a father and son movie. So, there was a lot of bonding went on between me and my dad that day over the film, I think, because the whole Junior Don't call me Junior.
1: Sean Connery, you know, Indiana
0: Jones' dad in it, there was a lot for us to both relate to. Um became special
1: film in that way. Well, it's um it is a it's a to me, this is my favourite of them all. It is I believe, uh, it's a lot of people's
0: favourites, I was gonna say sorry.
1: I believe this is the first one I watched. On videotape, um, because we, we had them all on videotape, and I believe this was the first one I watched. I didn't watch them in order, clearly. <laughs> um, not mad uh, anyway? Because they're no, all over the place, <laughs> that's it. So, um, uh, but th- this is the, I believe, the first one I watched, and um, uh, this is this is my favorite, and this is the, the film I adore, yeah. Um, that's in my kind of top ones to keep on going back to to keep on watching. It's a real comfort film, uh, I find, yeah, man. And talk about it, you know. Spielberg originally wanted to do a, a, a Bond-type film. He gets Bond himself. Who, who else? Connery. Yeah, who else to play
0: Indiana <laughs> Jones's dad? James Bond, of course.
1: Has to be. What?
0: Trust me. Like I say, it's a few years later, and the, and the, I remember at the time they, they made a lot of fuss about the fact that Harrison Ford was only about 11 years younger than Sean Connery or something like that. <laughs> it wasn't quite enough years for him to be his dad anyway. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they sell it because um, Harrison Ford was always so quite uh, youthful for a, for a lot of years. He was probably pushing 50s in this one, but he's still pulling it off as if he's in his 30s. Because this one takes place in 1938, so I think a year or two after um, the events of Raiders of the Lost Ark. So it is Nazis again. And this time it's brilliant because we get to go to Germany and the castle and the Hitler rally and the whole bit. Uh, we get a full serving of evil Nazi bastards to um, to get tucked into with this one. Uh, of course, the um, Holy Grail, which was a, a massive um, part of that side of historical culture. We had books like The Holy Blood and The Holy Grail, which later went on to influence the Da Vinci Code. That was in the sort of public um, consciousness. So it yep. was a great selection for them to say, you know, like they did with the Ark of the Covenant, let's go to something that's supposed to actually exist, comes from Judeo-Christian religion, this idea of the chalice of Christ, you know, giving everlasting life. Brilliant. That's a, that's all we need. That's yeah. going to be the thing. We're Like you said, we're bringing the dad in with this one. So it starts with young Indiana Jones, who is played in this case by the greatest actor of the day, the wonderful River Phoenix, brother of Joaquin Phoenix, um, who unfortunately died at a very young age, just a few years later, I think would still be now like up there with Brad Pitt and the rest of them as he was the greatest. He, he was the James Dean of his generation. I, at the time, 1989, I'd be about 10, 11, and River Phoenix was just like, this is the guy we all yeah. loved as you know our sort of generation. Um, he's brilliant and he, he, he gets to play Indiana Jones as a kid. So, the first scene is that they are scouts, right? You know, and there's a guy and his team that are doing some tomb raiding to find something called the Cross of Coronado, this golden cross. You know, it belongs in a museum. We get that whole idea of that being reinforced. The guy and his team, as well, is he looks like Indiana Jones because they almost hoodwink you. They don't specifically tell you it's him at first, but you know, you've got this guy with the fedora. So, it's like almost like saying, this is where he got his style from. The leather yeah, yeah, jacket yeah. the the fedora, the rest of it he even gives him the hat at the end and he, um which is a great sort of um switch to Harrison as a grown up you know where they do the hat and it goes down and comes back up, yeah, but a great openingium i shot. I loved all that, and it explains again, as I said earlier, we got a call back to the reason he hates snakes is because when they're running along the trains, he falls into a basically a big pit of snakes, isn't it and he's yeah. like oh. <laughs>
1: like great well, bit with the the whip as well where he tries the whip and, yeah, and it explains
0: the uh, reason that Harrison Ford's got this huge scar on his chin um just naturally from life you know so they put that in as if to say well that's where he got the scar from exactly
1: beautiful storytelling um to to dip into all the all the bits and explain things yeah and also yeah great opening that then obviously we will come to this uh, a little bit later but you know, this is like the kind of first setup for, oh, we're going to do a young indie uh, Yeah, thing. It's a first taster of that. Yeah. Um, and then, yes, then we get into.
0: Well, yeah, there, I, the, I mean, the, the end proper. of that scene introduces the character of his dad, even though we don't get to see him at first. He's just there and he's like, dad, he's trying to tell him, you listen. And he's like, you making him count in Greek or something. Then we see his dad's diary and this obsession with finding the Holy Grail. Yeah. So that kind of ties into that. So, you know, fast forward a little bit. Again, we're going back to college. He's the college professor again, reinforcing that, which they kind of left alone in the second film. So it brings us back to that setting and uh, Denim Elliott's character comes back, Marcus Brody. Mr. Marcus Brody. Brody. Um, It's great that they bring him back. They bring Sola back as well um, from the first film, John Reese davis another great character we didn't mention earlier, um, fantastic that he gets brought back to, to do some stuff there with um, Denim Elliott's character. So I think they they thought, look, we strayed a little bit from the formula, we suffered for it, let's bring some of these elements back in and we'll bring James Bond in as his dad and we'll kill loads of Nazis again and we'll have a proper <laughs> artifact. So they, they learned their lesson, basically, yeah. by the time we got to the last crusade. And also, I think at the time, it was a feeling of, Harrison Ford's getting a bit older now. He's not going to do this anymore. Um, Sean Connery's getting older. He's only got so many films left in him. Let's let's do this one. Let's make it a great one. Let's bring all the old boys back in, and then we'll uh, we'll call it a day, and it'll be a great trilogy. And for yeah. years, and for years, it was. You have chosen
1: wisely. It is, it was a get the gang back together film, wasn't it? And um, but it went brilliantly for it and they kind of just went hell for leather and went well what can we do then yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah it's a real this is a film that is set piece after set piece and
0: it's comedy it is such yeah. a good comedy there's so many laughs in it i mean never and, mind yeah. all the stuff with with sean connery it's just so funny all the junior don't call me junior <laughs> all that great stuff going on but you also even before he even gets together with his daddy turns up the castle and remember he's he's doing that well I've gone and cut a sniffle as if he's a <laughs> Scotsman and, the, and even that snooty butler is like you are not a Scotsman well I am Mickey Mouse how dare he <laughs> <laughs> and you know all that stuff is funny as hell really great
1: they lost it's really funny
0: you know no shorty in this one obviously they got rid really of that idea and they bring in Alison Doody who I think is an Irish act- actress to play the um, the Austrian yeah. Uh, femme fatale, of course. And that thing about they've both been in bed with her as well, you know. Um, How did you know she was a Nazi? She talks in sleep. Oh yes. Uh, that whole bit where they're tied up to the chairs and they light fire to the um t- to the carpets in the in the uh, castle and they're trying to get out of there and they go through to the secret Nazi bunker that woman's in there, you know, the one from um, yeah.
1: Austin Powers. <laughs> Hello! Hello! <laughs> it's just so cool. It is. It's, it's brilliant.
0: Um, and this idea of his dad being a scholar, not an adventurer, but a scholar, yeah. and he'd having to take his dad along on it, because his dad's even better than him at figuring stuff out and where stuff is and what stuff means. So you've got loads of great treasure hunting and stuff. You've got the Taking the rubins off the shield, and they find that tomb of the knight underneath the um, smashing the floor in with it. Venetian catacombs
1: and stuff. Yeah, smashing the floor of the
0: library. Ex I always love spot
1: um, the his dad's book in in the film as well. Like with all the different the, things, the diary, his, the diary. I I love that you, did, a, you didn't you didn't bring part. it, did you? <laughs> you did. Should have mailed it to the Marx brothers. <laughs> <laughs> It's such a great prop. It's it's amazing how they can make a book so iconic Yeah, uh, in cinema. i seen a it's, thing about that on the making of and
0: apparently it was like they did about I don't know, eight eight or nine pages of it and, and then repeated. Repeated it, yeah. So when he's going through it's actually just the same stuff over and
1: over. I've seen book. someone recently uh, on a side so note. I saw someone on TikTok or, or something who is uh, like a film prop remaking guy kind of thing and he's out of all the photographs and stuff he could find about about it, he's managed to recreate it. Um, oh, I've se- I think I've like, seen the like, same one. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool.
0: Yeah, very um, cool. Great little thing. The the whole idea that you need the diary is is the key to finding it. Uh, you know, and that actually not in the end because it's just as you know. It's all of that. But you got all the elements again. Like I say, that that the lore of that particular artifact is all brought into it. The Nazis are after it again because once again they're after eternal life. You know, they think if everybody can drink from it, and yeah. you know, uh, really cool sort of um, reason for them to to be chasing it down. And a great rip-roaring adventure, a father and son movie, a buddy movie, a road movie. You know, you got that great scene when they uh, go into the airship as well, and then they have to escape, oh, yes. escape from it um, in the plane, and then that leads to, a, you know, Sean Connery shoots the end of the plane out. I'm sorry, son, they got us. Oh, all they of got that. us. Yeah, <laughs> great little little gags in there, um, and that goes into a car chase and the che- and the plane going through the tunnel, and a, that's a bit of a goofy comedy moment, but it fits, <laughs> you know. And then him using the birds to oh, the beach, uh, take down yeah. the other That's plane. That's iconic. Suddenly remembered my Charlemagne. Let my armies be the rocks and the trees,
1: and the birds in the sky. Absolute uh, classic, isn't it? And, it's so uh, good, so good. And that, when they when they like, end up in uh, Germany, and uh, he meets Hitler, he meets Hitler at the book burning ceremony. Yeah. And they, uh, <laughs> Indiana ends up at the front of the line. Gets an a autograph there's such a good touch <laughs> that in
0: it. But that Michael Byrne, who plays the uh the main sort of SS guy, he's great in it. Another great British, oh, yeah. British actor brought in to uh, play the Nancy there though. Really good. He's a bastard. You want him killed straight away. Oh, when he yes. when he punches him out of the airship, no ticket. ticket (laughs) that's 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 a classic indiana jones moment that's done again with um kevin smith and the rest of it they love that
1: and then we end up in the with with that tank scene in the desert where they're all chasing yeah
0: brilliant film a real great success as well uh massive box office hit like i said the whole family went to watch it you know what's not to love John Williams returned to the, doing, the, doing the score again, the great theme and all the uh, great music. You've got that great guy who plays The Knight as well, you know. Uh, who have chosen. Yes. Wisely.
1: It's a great end. Um, they bring that back sequence. with that guy, you, he chose
0: poorly and he ages <clears throat> like 100 years in five yes. seconds. That was a bit of a callback
1: to Tote getting melted, wasn't it? It was like. In the first one, yeah. A bit gruesome, a bit sort of, you know, stop motion. I love all that in, in that uh in that end sequence with the puzzles and stuff that they've got to
0: Yeah. And and the leap of faith bit, the leap of faith where he has to go out and it's an optical illusion. <laughs> but you need all that stuff in there. I think that's kind of part of it. Yeah. If you don't have that stuff as much, it lo- it loses something. So like I say, they they went back to that kind of thing in this. But as said, a great father and son movie, really good sort of humour between them, the relationship that was never quite um right between them becomes resolved because they share an adventure together and that whole thing yeah. of him, you know, she she's like reaching for the cup and he's trying to let it go, let it go. And she falls to her death. And then instantly Indy is put in that position and it's his dad trying to save him and he's like, I can just get it. And he's like, there's the whole lesson. Let it go. Let it go. Pulls him out. It's it's that's really good writing again. It's, let was, it go. it, was it was it was it Kazdan again? It go.
1: It wasn't Gazdan, no. Oh. Um, Casted only did the first film, um, mm-hmm. strangely. Uh, they I knew he didn't do rights. the
0: second because the, it wasn't quite as good, but um, this one, this, whoever did this one was good.
1: They kept on changing writers for, throughout it. It's always a strange thing with it. So they yeah. never quite decided who should be on it. Uh, Jeffrey Bone wrote it. But, uh, great. Did a good job. It's a, very, a funny, job.
0: very funny script. And, especially
1: uh, with the, the final... Uh, lines of the film, you know.
0: Henry Jones Jr. Like Indiana, we named the dog Indiana. It was actually George Lucas's dog, who apparently was a massive Malmute. and he used to sit on the chair next to him and was also the inspiration for Chewbacca. Anyway, factoids. Everybody knows these things, I'm sure. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, Last Crusade, absolutely um, popular. Like you said, some people's favourite. Yeah. So, either the first movie or this movie, that are people's favorites. I like Raiders the, the most, but this is a very close second. Um, not in no small part because of Sean Connery. He is brilliant in it. He plays it to a T. He doesn't have to be the tough guy in this one. He lets Harrison Ford do all the tough guy no, stuff. Yeah. And he's almost a comedy relief. You know, he, he's, he's great in that sense. Yeah. And, um, you know, you get a nice idea that Denim Elliott's character was. They were friends. You haven't brought poor Marcus along, have you? And then when they hook up up in the tank and they're doing like something from their childhood where they did this
1: little... Yeah.
0: Yeah, brilliant. yeah. That's a funny joke in it as well, where he's like, uh, Marcus Brody speaks a thousand languages. He'll blend in, he'll be gone, he'll probably have the grail already. And then it jump cuts to him in this marketplace. (laughs) Hello, does anybody speak uh, uh, English? (laughs) (laughs) Standing out like a sore thumb. Great humor, Spielberg did a great job. Again,
1: as it's, always, it's yeah.
0: a classic. It's a the you know you mentioned earlier it sort of um, rocketed those eighties uh, blockbusters. You know we had Back to the Future after it, Ghostbusters, all of these ones we were talking about, and this is almost like the bookend to it because it's nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. It's the end of the eighties, one of the last great eighties blockbusters, probably to come out. Yeah, of this kind of film, so you know. In a sense, Indiana Jones, the original trilogy now, it bookends that that
1: period of,
0: yeah, of, of cinema. And um, you could do a lot worse than uh, and especially those two films. But as far as the original trilogy goes, I would rank them. Raiders of the Lost Ark first, then Last Crusade, then Temple of Doom. Although, like I said, I probably watched Temple of Doom the most.
1: <laughs> that's kid. <laughs> yeah, I think... Last Crusade, Raiders, Temple for me, but uh, they're very close films, and uh, yeah, they're just so great. And what, what a what a trilogy, and what a treat! Well, I mean, it is a solid
0: trilogy. Uh, when we talk about things like Back to the Future and the original Star Wars, they're you know they're as close as you get to perfect trilogies, really. And they're the big they're the trilogy of trilogies for me. Star Wars, the original three, Back to the Future, and of course um, Indiana Jones. In terms Absolutely. of family films, anyway, Um so Indiana Jones is probably the top of that stack as well. I can't forget how wonderful it was.
1: Thank you. It was rather wonderful. So after we had the last Crusade, which we thought would be the last we'd see of Indy, um, yeah, we did have the the intervening years before we get to what's going to *Kingdom of the Crystal Skull*, which comes comes later. Um, But, you know, we saw a taster of something that was going to be explored at the the beginning of Last Crusade, of course, the young Indiana Jones. For in the intervening years, we we got Indiana Jones in in, in a different uh, form um, with a television series, the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Unfortunately, River Phoenix, of course, as we mentioned earlier, passed away before this got going. Hmm. Um, I don't think he
0: would have done it anyway because he was a movie star. He was getting to movie TV stuff, really.
1: But uh, Corey Carrier and Sean Patrick Flannery are the two main young stars who played young Indy in one of the most expensive, <laughs> especially at that time, yeah. a television series produced uh, produced by Rick McCallum, of course, joined George on the prequel um, Star Wars films. Um, Got to love Rick. Good, old Rick. Good old Throwing Rick. Throwing money around like nothing. And, um, That's a, the kind a, of producer you want. It is. He's a great character. Um, I, I always love. Uh, I love watching movie. him uh,
0: on the all the uh, prequels, um, making documentaries of. and stuff. Yeah,
1: he's br- it's a brilliant. He's uh, character. so funny. Some
0: of the stuff he comes out with, he's, he's a dude.
1: And uh, but yeah, they produced the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. They're quite good fun. Um, I haven't
0: seen them all. I've seen a few. No, weren't they like sort of like mini TV movies? A lot of them movie length, or am I just remembering that wrong?
1: So they they've been. Um, They've been done in multiple ways over the years. Um, they when they originally did them, they were like our ish long, they were TV movie quality. I mean, the production value, and of course, they went all over the world to shoot these things. Um, but kind of it so it was very expensive, but uh, (laughs) it wasn't a rating smash, unfortunately. Um, so it didn't do very well. But later on, they kind of repackaged the original episodes. Into like yeah. yeah, like bigger movies. They were all uh, done in chapters,
0: weren't they? And all yeah. of the original films were given a chapter number to fit in with the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Exactly. Bollock's and, idea uh, that is. That's but, that's around the time that they did the uh Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark.
1: Re re rebranding. That was around George, that time. George loves his rebranding, doesn't he? Uh um Well certainly those people behind
0: George do, you know, the Kathleen yeah. Kennedys of the world that are like you know, giving him all sorts of ideas
1: to. I think Kathleen Kennedy might have. This might be the time that she started getting involved a lot with uh, George Lucas and Lucasfilm and stuff. And Spielberg For, has been, has through Spielberg done a lot of work with with Spielberg Yeah. It? So I think uh, might have be been involved there, and of course, also during this time, it'd be rude not to mention that there, there was a lot of Indiana Jones games. There was games when the films mm-hmm. came out on the basic consoles, but there was a big uh, point in the nineties where. Some big Indiana Jones games came out, like uh, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, which I enjoyed a lot when I was younger. Was it like um, Tomb Raider? Same same uh, format? No, so they were more. Oh. Um, Fate of Atlantis was a point and click adventure game. Uh oh, right. from back in the day, which uh, I really enjoyed. It's not some people just not their cup of tea, really. I mean, it's, they've gone on more recently to have things like Lego Indiana Jones and stuff, and. Um, uh, they're okay. supposed to be doing a new one for the new movie, so uh, it would be interesting to see what they came, come up with over there. So but how many um,
0: episodes did they do of the young Indiana Jones?
1: Um, or chapters, so or whatever they are calling them. Um, so there was 28 episodes and four TV films. So 28 plus
0: four. Yeah. So we had 32. I take it the TV films must have been like the first one where he's a kid.
1: Um, I think it's a mix because I think that they kind of did bit different ones, and the way they kind of did it, um, it wasn't quite so straightforward. I didn't uh, yeah, watch the, a
0: lot of them. I watched a few of them, and and there'd be things like he'd be involved in a lot of like different wars. He was a lot. He was a soldier a lot of the time, uh, and and joining up with people. And it was it, it seemed to to me to be a little bit more war heavy than it did about him finding artifacts and stuff like that. But like I said, I didn't watch them all so. I might be no,
1: I've only seen the, uh, certain ones. I've probably seen probably maybe half of them, maybe. But um, there was a thing of like, well, they're supposed to be edutainment. So they were kind of supposed to be like educational mm-hmm. kids oriented, So they, they had that kind of aspect kind of for them. Um, they, um, I mean, they shot in 25 countries over 150 weeks. I mean, thinking that back in the early 90s, the production of, of a television program to be that scale. Um, I mean, nowadays it's nothing, is it? With Netflix, Screams, Netflix and Amazon and stuff like that. But you know, for at the time, you know, Gary Fisher, Terry Jones, uh, Daniel Craig, Christopher Lee, Catherine Zeta Jones, you know, Timothy Spole, big massive stars for a television program. And so you could see why it probably cost so much money and just failed to how it's supposed to recoup that. You know, yeah, uh, how it's supposed to live up to it. So, unfortunately, by being, by but, being good. Yeah, too good for its don't time. I think
0: it was that good, to be honest.
1: Well, I think it's just it was too much for its time. I think if they, you know, nowadays something like this would probably work. It would, yeah, you know, probably you would. know. But, it, um, yeah, it was probably trying to do something what they weren't ready to do.
0: But, yeah, there we go then. Not incredibly successful, cost them a fortune. They still did enough of them, though. It's not like they axed it after five episodes. They bloody made loads of them. Mm. Sean so, Sean Patrick Flannery was it, who played the Young Indiana Jones, so like the one I remember the Yeah. He he did all right out of it. He got some work out of that. Because his movie yeah. career never really took off. He was in a few things, but he, it never really took off. But he's probably best known as the Young Indiana Jones. And then how many years later? Let's have a look. We come to two thousand and eight. So a good twenty years Almost yeah. twenty years after 20 the last years, crusade, yeah. they decided to bring him back. So, it's Lucasfilm. You know, they brought back Star Wars by doing the prequels. It was it had a modicum of success. One could say enough box office anyway to to make it worthwhile. So, after they've made another three Star Wars films, where are you going to go after that? Well, let's let's see if Harrison's interested in bringing Indiana Jones back. Turns out the check was big enough. And like we've mentioned earlier, he likes the character. So is Stephen on board? Yeah, Stephen's on board. Stephen's going to do it. Is Johnny Williams going to write the theme? Yeah, Johnny's in. How about some of the old crew? Well, yeah, we're bringing back um, Karen Allen this time. Marion Ravenwood. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we'd love to. Brilliant. Bring her back. Let's have a bit of that. Um And we've got Kate Blanchett. uh, The Russians this time are the baddies. But that's sort of time appropriate because it would have moved on into the 1950s. So, yeah, um, this is quite a few years after. He's more of an aging college professor now. Um, Doesn't do as many adventures by the sounds of it in his life. A teacher? Part-time I mean, that first opener, you've got the uh, Area 51 and there's a few callbacks to things like the Ark of the Covenant's in there somewhere. Yeah. That was kind of a cool opener, I thought.
1: It was. It was a very cool opening. Um, Even the lead
0: line fridge and the nuclear explosion, I, I can accept it. I, thought, I still thought it was cool.
1: Yeah, I, I loved that sequence. But, I mean, the the opening bit, with the, there's a lot of callbacks in that warehouse and, uh, and the whole setup is a cool way to... To start the movie, sets us where we are and, and everything introduces us to Ray Winston's character. Um, yeah, Mac, Mac, uh, early on and um, gets us going. Um, when he when he reaches that uh, nuclear testing facility, the the <laughs> the, the, the the nuke uh, town, nuke town, which you know, I just <laughs> think of games like Call of Duty and stuff. Whenever uh, exactly, exactly. So yeah, that's and, why um, I
0: think, yeah, that that sort of thing has definitely been inspired by it, hasn't it?
1: Well, I I I thought it was a really funny sequence going in and then realizing it's so that they're all fake and oh, it was really
0: it, well shot and I, I re, thought yeah. it came together really well.
1: And uh, I know loads of people. I remember at the time because I, you know I, that was this is the first indie film I saw at the cinema, the only indie film I've seen at the cinema, and right. um, and I remember at the time after it came out, everyone going. Oh, it's so stupid! That wouldn't happen. That wouldn't work. Blah, blah blah blah. Taking it so seriously, yeah. and I was just like, "It was cool. Who cares?" <laughs> you know. I have uh,
0: reservations about it, but they're more towards the end of the film than that. That bit at the start, that bit at the start was was okay. It was good. Mm-hmm. It was good fun. It was good fun to see, like, you know, him back in the hat, doing the things that we love to see him do. You know, swinging from the whip and uh, punching out the bad guys and having a car chase and the rest of it and all that and fighting that big Russian as well you know they have that huge scrap before they fall onto that jet engine thing and that blows them into the desert and it's kind of cool
1: I think the biggest um, objection to this film probably one of my problems at the time was uh, Shia LaBeouf because actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf remembered at the time that his the biggest thing he was in at that moment was the Transformers. And I detested Transformers. And a lot of people obviously did, you know, and, I only um, watched the first one and it was all right,
0: but I didn't love it.
1: I grew up with the cartoon,
0: so I should have loved it. And I didn't love it.
1: Yeah. Michael, well, Bay, been,
0: Michael Bay bollocks. Fucking.
1: Well, that's perfect. it. Cause it, it's Michael Bay. That, and I that's what the films is like, Oh God. But I think his attachment to those obviously sullied him in the, in everyone's mm-hmm. eyes. And so him being in this film at that moment in time, you know, this is before all of his kind of cult stuff uh, he did in the, uh, a bit later with Cannibal, uh, Child the Buff, and all that. Mm. That because of that, you know, that sullied it a bit, and then people were just like, "Oh, fucking not him, you know, you know, mm. and um, and I think that was the, what was the detriment, just particularly at the time. Um, that that's I think that was probably the biggest objection.
0: Well, it was, what they were trying to do was invert that whole father and son thing, but this time Indy's the father, obviously, and he's the son. And it was sort of, you know, of the time, he was like um, in the 50s, so he was like a young sort of teenage rocker, wasn't he? Um, biker dude with his Elvis hair and all that and his flick knife. and um, A greaser. Yeah, a greaser. <laughs> Get you get it for your greasy head? Get this guy. Who? Joe Collins, hit him hard. Here, hold this. What? What? But they brought Calvin Allen back. And I, t- I tell you what, I-, I tell you annoyed me more in it than Sheila Buff was Ray Winston. I love, it. I love him as an actor, but I just it wasn't really sold on him in it. He was a bit like, mm. you don't know him. You don't know him. <laughs> you don't know him. Well, whatever. Joseph! basically there was the whole thing wasn't that we're going to do aliens this time and um, spielberg said to lucas no we're not doing aliens we've both done aliens i've done close encounters you've done star wars well don't let's not bring indiana jones into that world so lucas went away and thought about it and he came back and he said we're not doing aliens and spielberg was like yes and we're doing interdimensional beings
1: Okay, and, George. And fair whatever. dues, yeah, <laughs> fair dues
0: for the um I think it's the documentary on this actual copy of it that Spielberg tells that story and um they left it in.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, it was like kind of rolling his eyes at George Lucas and his silly ideas. But um it do, it does harm it, it just it just makes it stupid, really. I mean it doesn't it's not a very good conclusion. Even John no. Hurt in there, you got John Hurt in there, one of our greatest actors. He, yes, he, he couldn't elevate. It was a waste of John Hurt, really. Made him kind of some sort of idiot savant in a way.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it, well, that whole thing was really stupid and a real shame. And uh, yeah, the, the end of the movie. Once you get to that ending sequence of the film, like the last, the third, and and by the time you get to that last part with the whole fucking temple spinning, and it yeah. is so stupid. Um, yeah, you just think, oh, what a wasted opportunity.
0: Yeah. Um, sort of just farted its way out of, of trouble, really. You had all those Russians being eaten by the ants <laughs> and not really much else happening. No one's face matted. No. The, the pyramid collapses. That's kind of cool. There's cool elements there with the whole like pyramid, the way it sort of, ma um, the mechanisms of it and all the stone moving and the sand and the... that was kind of cool, but it wasn't cool enough to stop it from being a a turkey of an ending.
1: No, and then, I mean, and
0: then the fucking flying saucers taking off at the end—it was just like oh, it looks nice, but that's all.
1: I guess it's because there's no like one. There's no proper object that was like really iconic that they're going after, which was one of the problems I think, and and. Uh, in terms of villains, there's not a real proper villain. Um, well, Kate Blanchett is, the but, but she's yeah. But like, you know how like uh, you know the, the first and the third is the Nazis and and you know like a proper force that you that seem to be going after. It doesn't feel like that because by the ending you've got these aliens that you've not even seen yet, and yeah. and it just seems a bit like oh you know.
0: It seems like in 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 the past it, it was the it was Hitler that wanted the Ark of the Covenant because of his occult thing that we mentioned earlier, and then we said with the last crusade you could understand them wanting the um, Holy Grail because it gives you eternal life and they can give yeah. it to all the troops. Um, but with this one, it seemed like it was her character's obsession to find this. Uh, artifact which ended up being like an alien artifact. I mean, if you're going to do it, that's where you start in Area 51 and you do all that kind of side of it, but just where it ended up going was, it was bollocks, wasn't it? It was. Basically. A load of bollocks. <laughs> it was a shame because when it was first sort of touted and they did all the usual featurettes and, and the trailers and stuff, it's like, oh, this is going to be great, but I couldn't help but feel, a little, I felt like that coming out of The Phantom Menace though, you know, where it was like, I enjoyed it. There was elements to it that I really enjoyed, but overall as a film, I don't think it was as good as the other stuff, the old stuff. Um And that's how I felt coming out of Crystal Skull. It was a bit like a... Yeah. What a it's shame.
1: A, a real shame. But... So, yeah. Can they redeem themselves?
0: Now this is the thing uh, that brings us right up to date, 2023 uh, in... Like we said, what, a month and a half, we're going to have the fifth installment, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Now, is Spielberg back? No, he is not. It's James Mangold this time. Uh, Is Johnny Williams back on the music? I hope so. Obviously, Lucasfilm, now owned by Disney, is still behind it. We've got Phoebe Waller-Bridge is stepping into the Sheila Buff sort of role where she's the young up-and-coming helper, so to speak, or assistant, like if it was Doctor Who, we call them assistants. Um, something different they've done this time is they've used a bit of deep fake technology to de-age Harrison Ford, so we do get Nazis again. They have brought the Nazis back for a good killing, this time in the form of what looks like Mads Mickelson. So it looks like the timeline jumps back to the 40s or the 30s when the Nazis were on the rise, probably done it in the 40s when they were in full swing, uh, World War II. We've got we've had a trailer, a full trailer to have a good look at it, so we can see a young Harrison Ford de-aged magically uh, by the deep fake guys, looking pretty good. Whether it holds in the whole scene, I don't know, because as we've discussed before, when we d- they did it with Mark Hamill in the Mandalorian series, and some of it looked good, some of it looked crap. So I don't know what they've done here. Oh, we'll have to see whether it looks good, but it looks full of. That kind of tomb raiding stuff, you know, um, catacombs, booby traps, puzzles. They look like they got plenty of that, because it's called Dial of Destiny, so the dial itself is a little bit of a sort of trinket. Uh, this is it,
1: yeah. Chachki
0: sort of artifact. Um, it's kind of cool. Um, the poster they've done for it, which I'll put up now, is very cool because it's, it's reminiscent of the old serials, which is what they tried to do with all the other posters in a way, so that element of it's great. It really is retro. Uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, the trailer and the the anticipation for this one?
1: Um, I think now I've seen the trailer, I'm more excited about it. See, when they first announced it, the uh, kind of well, when we knew it was actually happening because they've been talking about this film for years. Um, but um, when it was kind of finally like, oh, it is going to happen. Um, and they. We're gonna be filming here. I was I was very resistant and hesitant on it, thinking: Is he too old now? Is it a step too far? The last one wasn't that great. Is this necessary? Um, and it probably isn't necessary, and uh, probably doesn't need to be done. And all these things, but after seeing the trailer, I'm a lot more excited about it, and it yeah. looks fun. Yeah. And that's the main thing. It's the fun of it. You know, it, there'll be stuff about it which will be crap, I'm sure, but um, it looks like a lot of fun. There's loads of cool. Um, callbacks uh, stuff going on and callbacks and stuff. We've got, You've got
0: John Reese Davis's back, as sola, which is yeah.
1: nice. Like I we, said, and, no,
0: no shorty. I was hoping for Keith E. Kwan.
1: that just, would have been just, really nice. Yeah,
0: even if it was just he's, uh, he's only in it as five minutes and he's a college professor as well, or something like <laughs> that. That would have been nice. But um, but
1: we've got um, people like Femi Waller Bridge and Antonio Banderas and Toby Jones, uh, yeah. in this one, which is really and cool. Like I
0: say, Matt Mickelson there's a great choice to play the uh, bad guy. Absolutely, you know um, he's, he's a great actor. Love him as love him in everything, and um, he's he'll be a great choice as this kind of like Nazis. Obviously obsessed with turning back time, Dial of Destiny implies his time travel this time, and the idea that they want to go back to correct Hitler's mistakes is what is hinted at in the trailer. Um, so I can live with that. I can live with a time tra- travel element, you know.
1: It's I also mean, also be about the um, it's also be about the space race as well, um, so that'll be interesting how that unfolds.
0: Yeah, and uh, there's one small part of the trailer where they're in a cockpit that kind of reminisces the Millennium Falcon a little bit, and there's this <laughs> like <light, laughs> yeah, and there's this light outside yeah. like when they go through hyperspace. So there's obviously a, probably a little bit of a callback to that somewhere, which is fun. It's a fun thing, Easter <laughs> eggs really for the fans. Biggest worry for me is, is superficial, really. It's things like is the um, deep fake going to look all right because they've obviously relied on doing that quite a bit to go back and the Um But I'm sure all the other, all the other elements look like they're there. You know, um, Nazi killing, loads of action, lots of lots of funnies, um, lots of uh, humor in there.
1: You know. And yeah, and I I'm am sure excited
0: it, by it as well.
1: And, yeah, I, I think it's basically a nostalgia film, and if it does it right, it'll be okay. Yeah, And they kind of said it's the last one. I'm yeah, not doing it anymore.
0: Well, they said that after the last Crusade. Well, to be honest, never say never. I say if the check's big enough.
1: Well, actually, I, I was just reading that that apparently when they made the first Indiana Jones, they signed a four-picture sequel deal, so this would be the last of that. Original deal if they'd actually gone with it. Oh right, yeah, just because it's the fifth film, absolutely. Um,
0: No, Marion Ravenwood. So they're going to have to explain away why he's still not married to her because they got they married him off at the end of that. Also, where's where's the son going to be? Because they did that with in the Crystal Skull. They said because Sean Connery had passed away, I think by then they said, oh, his dad's passed away, and there's a photo of him there, isn't there? Hmm. And they kind of dealt with that there because of the reason his dad wouldn't be in it. So they're um, going to have to do some sort of explaining here because he's obviously still a college professor, and she's some the daughter, his goddaughter, or something. So, it's obviously the daughter of who knows.
1: The one biggest of his, question one of his is colleagues. The biggest question, of course, is because this is the first film that's not um, distributed by Paramount. Yeah, and of course the Beginning of all the Indiana Jones films starts with the Paramount, but they're all Spielberg they're films as well. Um, uh, but the, the, well, it's still Lucasfilm, though. Uh, the,
0: the first one it's the Jungle Mountain, um, yeah, and then the second one it's on the uh, Gong the Mountain, and then the third one is uh, what is it in the third one? It's some Rock in the Desert because they start as kids, don't they? You know, yeah, uh, they scouts are on the um, on the trail. And in the
1: fourth one, it's the Hill.
0: I thought it was a gopher, or gopher hill. Or it's, yeah. they, that's the that's how you knew the kingdom of the crystal skull wasn't going to be as good. It starts with CGI gophers. <laughs> it does. That's the first yeah. shot, and then those those roadsters go off, which was some callback to like George Lucas. Uh, well, it's
1: very Star Wars prequel American recently.
0: American graffiti sort of cars going on and all that.
1: But but now that it's not a Paramount film with that uh, mountain to go off. Uh, in the, in the, in that first shot, mm. they because might course, still do
0: it as a first shot, just because all Indiana Jones films start.
1: With well, them. of course the, the well the, the whole thing has been what they're going to do because the opening um, production that will be the Disney castle. So are they going to have a castle as the first shot and transition that? Maybe this is a castle, isn't it?
0: There are tapestries. Yeah, I think what they wanted to do with this was. Let's not go out on a a real turkey. That i.e. the kingdom of the crystal skull. Let's sort of wipe away the bad taste from that and and finish on one more great Indiana Jones adventure. And let let's face it, that's all we're hoping for.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I, hopefully they deliver um, enough of a just just a nostalgia feel and a, and a load of fun, and that's all we're kind of. I don't think for. it's
0: going to be anywhere near as good as. Um, the original three films, yep. but I think it is it is going to be better than Crystal Skull. That's my prediction. We'll cover it after it comes out. We'll go and we see will. it, and then we'll, we'll add our thoughts on Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny uh, to this collection. Um, but, yeah. Anything else you want to say about these magnificent movies of our childhood?
1: No, I think, I think we've covered it all. I'm excited to see what what the, what the the new one's going to be like, and uh, yeah, just some of the best films. So there we go, ever. the Indiana
0: Jones films, covered by more movies, myself, Greg Fisher, and my colleague here, David Roberts. Um, what do you think? What is your favourite Indiana Jones film? Did you hate Crystal Skull 2? Let us know why. Did you love it? Let us know why. Just come and say hi. Um, we appreciate all the likes and shares etc thanks very much for listening in big thank you for, to our regular patrons Michelle and Shane thanks very much we appreciate you both uh, but yeah I think that wraps up a bumper buster bonus podcast on Indiana Jones thanks very much for listening in and hopefully we'll catch you on the next one Dave any final thoughts before we go just uh, you're going to some whiskey at the bar And go have a drink with Marion. (laughs) Be careful. She (laughs) could drink you under the table, son. I bet she still could. Probably good for a character. Anyway, thanks for watching and or listening. Catch you on the next one. And in between, please, keep watching more movies. Well, that's it for this video. Please leave us a comment and let us know what you thought. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe right here on YouTube. To check out more of our articles and reviews, check out our website, moremovies.co.uk. And why not join us on social media? That's at uh, Movies for you across the board, you know the score. And if you'd like to support us, consider buying us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com, or you can become a More Movies patron over on patreon.com. All the links are in the description below hand. To check out more of our filmtastic videos, click one of the buttons on screen now.